we get a nice little uh, sandwich of uh, stories here. Uh, Jairus, the synagogue official, comes to Jesus asking for a cure for his daughter who's near death. And then right in between we get this very interesting story about this woman who suffered uh, hemorrhages for 12 years. Uh, it's pretty interesting reading the church fathers on this. They see this woman uh, who suffered for 12 years as a sign of Israel. Israel composed of the 12 tribes of Israel. This woman suffering from 12 years. And suffering in a very unique way, right? Um, this flow of blood. And uh, it's interesting, that would have made her unclean. And the reason that would have made her unclean is because the Israelites understood very well in their law that blood was the life force of man. And because she was expelling it for 12 years, it meant, in a sense, that she was rejecting God's gift of life, which made her unfit for temple worship. And she stands as a symbol of the people of Israel. Israel, who uh, herself is hemorrhaging. What do we read about constantly in the Old Testament? how God's constantly having to make these covenants with the Israelites because they're always going off and worshiping these false gods, right? Like God gives Moses the Ten Commandments and right away Moses comes down and what does he find? They've made a molten image, right? They've made their own God. And then he find, we find uh, uh, throughout, these, uh, throughout the history of Israel, uh, the Israelites, Israelites are worshiping the balls, right? They're doing all these crazy things. But God's constantly saying, come back to me. Come back to me. And we see this uh, finally, concretely, in the person of Jesus Christ. And so this woman, she kind of uh, does what Israel does, right? It says, she had suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet she was not helped, but only grew worse. She had sought cures in all the wrong places. She had sought healing in all the places that couldn't give her healing, and it only made her worse. We all kind of know what that's like, right? You know, we, we suffer from sin, and we always think, you know, uh, once I get things in order, then I'll go and have my relationship with God. And that's one of the biggest lies we can listen to, right? Like, we go to God broken, and He's the one who makes us whole. And this woman, it's beautiful, she, it says she comes up behind Jesus and she just desires to touch his cloak. Um, the fathers of the church are very good at um, looking deeply into this passage. And they say it's interesting because her whole goal is to make sure that Jesus doesn't become unclean. If she touches Jesus, someone who's unclean, she makes that person unclean. And so she says, well, I'll just touch his cloak and that will keep him safe and then all be able to be cured as well. Seems pretty reasonable. Uh, but what happens? She goes, she touches the cloak, and of course she's healed. But what, is, what happens after that? And he looked around to see who had done it. Now remember, uh, when we read the Old Testament, there's this idea that you couldn't see the face of God and live. And that's why they had the temple veil, right? That the high priest could only enter in once a year. Only a certain priest too, right? So Israel, in their search for liberation, 
They think they're searching for liberation from like the Romans or the Babylonians or whoever. But they're seeking spiritual freedom. They're seeking the face of God. How often do we hear in the Psalms, show us your face, O Lord, and we shall be saved. Right? And Jesus turns around. He looks around to see who had done it. He shows her his face. And what's especially striking, Jesus was heading to a pretty important place. He was heading to offer a cure for the daughter of Jairus. He could have kept walking, right? He could have kept walking. She still would have been healed. Uh, and he wouldn't have to like make excuses for possibly being unclean, right? But that's not how God works. And he wants us to know that. He wants us to know that he turns to face us when we come to him in our brokenness. And what's the, what's the great irony of this for the woman, right? That she comes trying to preserve Christ, but it's Christ who preserves her. She doesn't want to make him unclean, and yet he's the one who makes her clean. And it's interesting, right? She doesn't want to mess up who Christ is. She wants to love him as he is, respect him as he is. Why is that important? Well, what do we do often in our prayer? We kind of go with our whole list of things, and we're like, Lord, here's all the things I really need you to work on, um, and if you could do it just as I say, that would be amazing, right? The woman shows us that we need to go to Jesus being willing to accept his plan as he's designed it. Willing to approach the living God in humility because that's how he approaches us. He's not worried about what it might mean for people to think he's unclean for people to think that he might not be God. He completely empties himself, completely empties himself of the divine life, but he empties that divine life onto us to raise us up back to the Father. Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. Aren't those the words that we want to hear Jesus speak to us? And yet, we come at it from a slightly different perspective now, right? This woman had the flesh of Christ, but she only wanted to touch his cloak. But now we, living in the new covenant, we come to approach the flesh of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. In the same way that that woman does, offering the Lord our own brokenness, whatever things that we hold on to, so that the Lord can bring us healing so that the Lord can make us whole. And maybe that's the invitation uh, today as we approach the Lord in the Holy Eucharist to show Him our wounds, to show Him our own brokenness, and especially in those moments after we receive communion, to say, Lord, I've touched your flesh. I've consumed your flesh. St. Irenaeus says that God became man so that man might become God. So that man might become God. And we begin on that pathway in the Holy Eucharist. Say, okay, Lord, you've allowed me the gift of receiving yourself. Here's my life. I give you permission to transform me. 
I give you permission to heal my brokenness, but Lord, give me the grace to be humble enough to accept your will as you give it and not as I want it and not as I expect it. The grace to accept Jesus for who he is, the grace to accept God's plan in the way that he designs it. And the way that God designs his plan is always for our good. Always. Jesus desires to say to us, uh, go in peace and be cured of your affliction. But we need to approach him in humility. In the humility, of, in the humility that we might not know the best way, but that Jesus does. And as often as we can approach him in humility, as often as we can approach him, trusting in his merciful love, he is going to bring us healing. Maybe not according to our own time frame, not, maybe not according to the way that we would like. Luckily, that's often better. But we approach him with the humility to allow him to transform us in the depths of our being according to his will so that we can share the divine life that he came down to earth to give us.